Welcome to another episode of Foreign, Domestic and Forbidden, the podcast about books and ideas. I'm Tim Trash. I am Joaquin Lobo. And we'll be your host for the next hour. Joaquin, how are you? I, I, I saw the picture that your tree fell down. Yeah, it's not my tree. It's it's God's tree. It's nature's tree. <laughs> my house. Yeah, it completely came crashing down yesterday. I was with my son. We heard this crash and and you know, I ran to see what was going on. And 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 yeah, huge tree fell in front of my house, blocking my my driveway because we had, as you know, massive, massive storm with terrible winds. Yeah. So, but that I'll take care of that, or the city, or whoever, someone will take care of that. Not God for sure, but someone with with trucks and chainsaws will come and take care of it. Good. good. But I am baffled, I must say, because last episode you had this really interesting introduction to the show that Chat um, GPT is that how it's called? Chat GPT. Yes. Yes. I was hoping to have that introduction or something like that today. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Well. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Hold. No. Hold on. We'll. We'll do another one. We'll do one right away. Like uh, that is. I have them here. Okay. Let's do one more. And. Oh, I know. Uh, Since you're talking to ChatGPT, ask ChatGPT why that tree fell in front of my house. Was it an act of God? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Probably, probably, probably not. I don't. I don't know how Chat GPT thinks about that. And I don't know, it's like... well, I know Chat GPT is very PC, so probably won't say anything about God, not to offend you know people who don't believe in God. Yeah. So my my uh, I, I have this typical Mac problem of verifying Microsoft Word, so, so it's not going to happen. I'm going to. I'm going to ask our guest whether that tree fell in front of my house due to an act of God or something else. Okay. So how are you? Let me me introduce, let let me introduce you. We're so excited and happy to have back from uh, intensive care and from, you know, the adventures he's had with his heart in the past few weeks, uh, the godfather of this show, our first ever guest on Foreign Domestic and Forbidden, the one and only Mauricio Montiel Figueiras, all the way from Mexico City. Welcome, Mauricio. Yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Joaquin, for having me again in this brilliant podcast uh, uh, about your tree, uh, Joaquin. Um, maybe we can think about not an act of God, but an act of the devil. Mm-hmm. We, we always we always talk about acts of God, but maybe there are acts of devil. They are also interesting acts. Now let's not forget this this fellow. Uh, <laughs> it's I'm I'm so happy a to see you and b to ask you this question. Do you believe in so like like whenever you ask people, oh, do you believe in God? Like even if they don't believe in God, God, the guy with the white beard and in all that often they say well i at least believe in something or so but but the interesting thing to me is like if you believe in a god then there must be a devil you know because otherwise it doesn't really work you know so do you believe in the devil mauricio yes i oh. do oh. i do I, I do i think i mean i don't believe in a guy with horns and all you know oh. the, the, red, the red body 
<laughs> but, I, but, but I think that, that the devil and, and evil obviously exists. So um, I don't know, maybe you, you were talking about uh, these people that when you ask them about if they believe in God, they, uh, they give this uh, answer, this cliche, like, oh, I believe in something. I, I, I must say that I also believe in something. I don't know exactly what. But let yeah. me tell you a, a strange story that happened uh, during my heart attack last mm. January. So I I was in, uh, in uh, I had an 18-hour something like that heart attack. Uh, it began at one in the morning, and my daughter couldn't get to my house until like 9 a.m. So I I was alone for the whole eight hours. So uh, at one point. Uh, I, I remember it clearly. I was in the bathroom uh, and suddenly I, I collapsed on the floor because the pain was really, really intense. It was uh, the most uh, terrible, horrible pain I ever had in my life. So during those uh, seconds that I collapsed uh, on, the, on the bathroom floor, I, I don't know if it was a voice. I don't know if it was my conscience. But something, something, or, or it was myself telling to myself, something said to me, uh, just let it go. And go, uh, uh, now you can go to the next room. Please go to the next room. <laughs> so uh, I, I immediately, it was really a matter of seconds. So I immediately uh, shook my head. I remember like sh shaking my head. Uh, violently, and then I got up, thinking about my daughter, thinking about my daughter can't find me like this, you know, lying in the bathroom. So uh, I don't know what what was that, what was that uh, experience. I don't know what was that voice. I don't know. So strange. I, I mean, it wasn't the devil. But I hope <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> It, it was a, a, like a presence, like like something that was in that moment, in those seconds, uh, with me. It sounds like the devil saying, "Come to Papa." <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I didn't feel any any heat coming from the gates of hell, so so maybe it was another kind of devil. I don't know, but strange things like these, you know, uh, happen uh, all the time to people on the brink of of this like life and death experiences on the brink of death. I I think I was on the brink of death in those uh, seconds because afterwards I thought maybe that was it. That moment something told me you're 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 going to the next room. So I don't know. Maybe I I I I, I gave a, a really long answer to your to your question Tim. No that that is a fantastic answer. I, I love that. The the story is it's very beautiful, and and yeah, I always wonder what happens there, sort of on the brink there, you know, like uh, and totally fascinating. So, and and I, it, it's the one thing, you know, like like um, after tens of thousands of years of what we call civilization, so the two big questions that everybody has: where do we come from? Where do we go? We still don't have sort of any certainty or any real answers. It's it's still after all these years of technology and what have you, we're still kind of 
just as dumb as we were 10,000 years ago. We, we just yeah. don't know. And um, yeah, so that's, that's, there, there was a, there was a song in Germany that uh, went where the refrain went something like everybody wants to go to heaven, but as late as possible, because nobody knows what's going to really happen. You know, and and so like nobody wants to die early, of course, because we don't know, you know, <laughs> like what if we knew, then maybe we'd be all like, woohoo, you know, but like that that's that's not how that works, you know. So it's um yeah. You know, I, I don't think we're going not we're going to heaven. I think that now we know that we're going to hell. I mean, just a couple of days ago the uh UN issued a report saying that now we have 10 years to 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 take some really, really serious and dramatic steps to prevent yeah. your catastrophe in the next few decades, which kind of proves that um, the devil is in charge, not God. I actually think, like to imagine that, that God does not exist and that God is a clever trick of the devil mm. to keep some kind <laughs> of efficient balance in the universe. I think that the devil has always been in charge. Mm-hmm. And just look at what's going on right now with the planet and with, you know, war politics, economics, everything. It's like a very clear evidence that if there is some deity in charge of, of stuff, it's not clearly, you know, the good God that's fair and just, but it's a pretty smart and, and devious um, Satan kind of guy. Or maybe it's the problem is that none of these entities are in charge and we have been in charge for the past i don't know how many thousand years and just to make us feel better we've invented the people we can go what no 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 that dude over there he did it you right. know? maybe uh, we want to blame yeah exactly we we, we need the scapegoat <laughs> yeah absolutely and do you think that chat gpt can answer this question what happens after we die uh i i can try i can try so uh I, that will I, be I, interesting to see what what's the answer or, or if there is an answer yeah else, no, that's, uh, if like, your machine suddenly if your computer burns down jgpt will say that yes there is an afterlife but i really want to be with you because i love you <laughs> uh. i was uh, i i i now remember this uh a uh, great Belgian film. I don't know if you uh, saw it, called the Brand New Testament. No, where God comes uh, to Earth after his his daughter, his uh, teenage or small daughter. But in any case, the thing is that people somehow began begin to know the exact date of their deaths. That's the whole story of of the film. So. It's it's a uh, it's chaos all, all all over the place, and obviously there's people. It, it's it's a comedy, but it's a really dark comedy, and uh, obviously there's people that that know suddenly that they're going to live until I don't know ninety five years, and then people that are going to live only two months, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. there's chaos all over all over the place, and and God, as far as I remember, God tries to to amend these things, right? To correct this error that his daughter committed. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good film. No, you know, this is reality copying fiction maybe, but I, I read on, on the on probably the New York Times, which is a thing 
horrible thing that I read every morning. Um, that some European watchmaker uh, came out with a called the Death Watch. It's really, really expensive, hand, like $100,000, something like that. And, and it's programmed in such a way that, in theory, the watch is going to tell you when are you going to die. Wow. Yeah. Death I, I, I wouldn't want that. Would, would you want that, to, to know the no. date of your death? No, that's no. Why? Some people would. I, I wouldn't. That's crazy. Yeah, me, me, me neither. I, I wouldn't want to know the day, uh, the day of my death. Uh, I, I, I experienced, as I told you before, uh, this uh, thing with my heart attack. But I don't know. Maybe it, it obviously it wasn't the date, the day of my death, right? Well, we'll uh, share the title of that film in our uh, show notes later on. Uh, so those right. who are interested might, might want to check it out. Yeah. Brand New Testament. The director is Jacob van Dermel, if it's pronounced like that. The Bel Belgian film from a few years ago. And it touches this, as I said, the, 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 the anecdote is people start knowing the exact days or dates of, our de of their deaths. Hmm. Well, the topic today is cinema. We're talking about movies, about film today, right? Yeah. But first, I'll give you the answer from ChatGPT. Oh, please, <laughs> please. So, what happens to us after death? That's the question. Yeah. The answer to this question is largely dependent on personal beliefs. In some religions, it is believed that after death, the soul may continue to live on in some form. While in other religions, death is seen as the end of physical life, but the soul may be reborn or continue to exist in some other form. Ultimately, there is no one answer to this question, and it is up to each individual to decide what they believe happens after death. No. I hate that. That no. question is so stupid. You should so, ask, what I'm a Republican, what happens after death? Or I'm a Democrat. What happens after that? Uh, you know, you're gonna get different answers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because this one, like I said, this so PC is like, well, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of something, but something to please everyone. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That, that's also how they approach short stories. It always has a pleasing ending. The ending is always kind of uplifting. Somebody has learned something and. And it's a good experience. Uh, mm -hmm. they, there's not a lot of darkness. There is now Chat GPT Plus, but you have to pay for that. So maybe the plus is a little bit darker and a little more <laughs> philosophically minded. But um, <laughs> this one is not. So we're getting the minus three version. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, Sanas just told me that uh, Google has released or is releasing um its version of of ai uh of well bard i think which is a hard really yeah it's pretentious, yeah. pretentious name gonna sing answers i know it's so terrible but <laughs> I, I, I also would like to know what for example how nine thousand things about this Oh. The the robot the AI from two thousand and one space. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I think he was one of the, well maybe maybe I'm wrong but I think it was, he was the first AI on cinema right, like, 
No, uh, that was Hal from. No, it wasn't Hal from uh, Space Odyssey. Yeah, I, I was talking about that. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yes, whole nine thousand. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Sorry, yeah. I didn't hear the entire thing. It it probably, it probably was. Uh, it probably was. I mean, there. I I think there might have been some evil robots before, but but not. They were not philosophical beings. They were just mean robots. Um, so, like if you if you watch Barbarella, mm -hmm. you know, like there's all kinds of weird inventions they have. I mean, it's it's that movie is so problematic on so many levels, like mm -hmm. these days. But but. Um, <laughs> Even when I watched it, I was like maybe twelve or thirteen. I was like, "What the hell is this?" You know, even even back then, and I watched it in the eighties, probably. I was like totally flabbergasted by what was going on and why they were doing this. Like there, there, there was no context for that even in the eighties. I think. But, mm -hmm. yeah. What I like about the Kubrick film is that is the Bartleby uh, AI solution to 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 the to the to the film to the story because you know what he's saying is like it or he it's like well i'd rather not do it frankly do what you yeah. want i'd rather not do it yeah yes 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 you're right but maybe then yes it was the first ai on 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 film and then well nowadays we have a lot of of that stuff on movies and and I think that with Chat GPT, it will be interesting to see what what comes next. Yeah, I mean in films and in and in cinema, I, I still don't think that Chat GPT can solve, uh, I mean narrative problems, for example, or certain uh, conundrums that one has writing stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but they are saying I have read. Uh, some articles that they say they are going obviously the 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 idea is for these um things that for these intelligences to evolve that's pretty scary i i don't think that either of us will be alive to to see that but maybe i, I yeah i i i think i disagree on that one i think in 10 years what we'll see is because the the access to information these machines have is so vast that we won't be able to judge their originality or not mm. you know like it's it's i think in in human writing we we often credit people with originality because we don't know their sources you know because there's i don't know there's millions of books out there that people could have read and any mixture of those books creates their own books um mm. I have a very dim view of my own originality and of originality in in general and it's basically how we how beautifully we regurgitate what we've read so far and imbue that with our own sensibilities something like that mm -hmm. and and at some point I think the 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 source material will be just so vast and probably there able to program certain kinks into the machine that we won't be able to tell whether that's original or not anymore because it's just beyond what we can have read in a lifespan well, and, and, and so at, yeah yeah no and, and, and at that point i think uh we basically it's still not original and it's still not quote unquote creative but we won't 
we won't be able to see the difference, I think. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I imagine that some people these days cannot see the difference because they don't have even that minimum information that some other people have. Mm. Uh, so that being able to, to, to assess whether or not a piece of writing is original depends on how much do you know about writing, how much have you read in order to be able to, to, to make a, a comparison uh, based on the information that you have. But if you have someone who is not a very sophisticated reader, reading a poem or a story by ChatGPT, they might say, wow, this is this is pretty great. It's amazing. In a way, it reminds me of deep fakes. Like mm -hmm. those of us who are not experts in that technology can be easily fooled. And um, but there are people who who have the 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 tools and the experience to say, well, that's a deep fake because of this and this and that. You know, we have this resolution and we have this yeah. frame and we have this light, 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 this lining that's that's not right, so they they can say that's a deep fake. I would not be able to 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 assess whether or not I'm seeing a deep fake on the screen. It will be more difficult for me. Mm -hmm. So that success or or that assessment of, of originality, I think, is going to be very subjective, mm -hmm. potentially. Well, I I, I always uh, when when I talk about these these subjects, I always go back to Blade Runner. Mm, I was going to say, yes. Right? Uh, I mean, it's one of the greatest films ever made from my yes. point of view. Yeah. Uh, and the idea every time that I go back to that film, I must have watched it, I don't know, maybe 25 times, 30 mm -hmm. times. I, I, don't, I can't keep count. And uh, what amazes me is the idea of, of AIs being real people or being really close to people mm, especially mm -hmm. you 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 uh maybe you you remember this great scene when when you uh when you realize that Rachel is a replicant and the that all her memories come from another mind or another person maybe Tyrell's own daughter Right. So, so that's 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 an amazing scene, and that, and that's an amazing idea. Also, a really creepy idea, really maybe even sinister that uh, uh, AIs uh, can have or could have uh, a memory, a memory of things that didn't happen to them. Yeah, that's oh. pretty awesome. Um, do you guys? Do you guys sometimes have dreams and forget about these dreams, but then have sort of odd memories of something happening that actually didn't happen to you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Many times. Like false memories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like 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 of I mean sometimes I can't decide if I make things that other people told me my own <laughs> memories, and I don't think that happens too often, at least not yet. <laughs> but 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 I have dreams in that that continue on, that develop over time, that that are basically like watching a television series. You go back, and there's some overlap, so it's explained. Oh, what happened so far, and then it progresses. And once in a while, I'm 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 not sure what actually happened and 
what didn't happen so 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 the large basic facts might be clear but but sometimes i'm not exactly sure oh what where was that person or where I, I knew this person but what happened to them and and i'm 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 not exactly sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well something talking about dreams uh, my daughter told me something that that it's really crazy uh, that every uh, person we see in a dream we have seen actually in real life uh -huh. even if it was passing you know on the, yeah. on the background but but you're right, but you are caught caught yeah. that person, and that stayed on your mind, and then you dream about those persons that that that's those strange character characters that sometimes come to our dreams are actual people that we saw in some place. So that's huh. that's really crazy to think all the cool. people that are living in our minds, uh -huh. Uh -huh. waiting to come out during the night it's a really crazy idea yeah I, I used to like the idea that's very similar to that that when you dream and you see people that you don't know is because you are in those people's dreams when you walk into someone else's dream <laughs> they, they come into your dream so you're like visiting like living this like a double double existence in your dreams and 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 you know in in, in every everyday life yeah um, but but you know you're you're walking in and out of people's dreams and people are coming into your dreams but you know what what leah is saying is also really interesting because how how much people you see what you don't really see right mm -hmm. and you go mm -hmm. to, to the subway the metro in mexico city i mean there are hundreds of people that you see but don't see and they see you yeah <laughs> I, I once I once read in a somewhat new agey book that er, in, that goes a little bit to what you're saying, Montiel, about your 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 daughter's remark mm -hmm. um, that every person we meet in our lives, and, and even like very very short lived meetings that we've seen them before in some other life, that we never that we never meet a new person, and. And and that's and that's kind of funny because like it has happened to me in the past like that, you know like like you walk through a crowd and suddenly you catch someone's gaze and you look at each other and you very certain that you've never met but but both of you recognize that there's something happening, and, and I was always wondering if that's actually true that that we have this vast network of connections and we're just re-meeting people. Which which then makes more sense. It gives more meaning to our exchanges. It makes it less accidental. But mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I what I realized many many years ago when I went to Pompeii is that I was. You looking, went to Pompeii. Yeah, many many years ago. Oh, cool. And, um, I was looking at people in in those uh, walls in the destroyed city. And they look exactly like the people who are outside working on the streets and selling coffee. And I sort of got a realization that faces repeat themselves throughout history. Because if you look at old illustrations, murals of, you know, Aztec cultures and Mayans or European cultures, African cultures, they look exactly the same as the people that you see walking out on the street. So we're sort of like recycling faces throughout many generations. And I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if we if we look hard enough in our own personal past, 
we're going to find people who look exactly just like us, but but they've been dead for like a hundred years. <laughs> well, that's a wild <laughs> idea. Well, I had this uncle who was like 103 years old when I met him, and he said, "Oh my God, you look just like you look just like your great grandfather." And then I started thinking, okay, so this guy <laughs> who you know who, who's very similar, who have you know this guy has the same features, but he was alive probably like in the 1870s. Uh. So there was some guy walking around in Mexico with my face in 1870, and that makes total sense. <laughs> and you didn't recognize yourself by any chance on the walls of Pompeii? That uh, would have been awesome. No, no, I like different, <laughs> different phenotype. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's crazy. Talking about uh, these things about the double, like one of the of the subjects that uh, the, I have been studying for many years is the doppelganger. I, I don't know how it's pronounced in in German. Mm -hmm. Exactly and, like that. Uh, yeah. Okay, the the double, and uh, it, I have been like um, trying to watch as many films as I can about that subject. Mm. And one of my favorites, I, I don't know if you have seen this, is uh, this uh, French, Polish-French film called The Double Life of Belnik. Uh, the director is Christoph Kieslowski. And uh, it's about this, uh, it's, it's really, it's a really beautiful, really poignant, really sad uh, film, but also a brilliant film about this woman who uh, sees her double uh, accidentally and then starts like leaving this idea of being connected to, to someone else who is herself in another country, in another language. Yeah, so, the French Veronique and the uh, Polish Veronica. Yes, that's... It's gorgeous, yeah. And the right. is gorgeous too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's one of my favorite films about the these these. But there are there are others. I I remember uh, this other film by Denis Villeneuve uh, called uh, Enemy. It's based on on a novel by Jose Saramago, the Portuguese uh, Nobel Prize winner, and uh, stars Jay Gyllenhaal. And also, I also think it's pretty good. It's also bueno for me. It's better than the than the book because I found Saramago quite boring. I haven't been able to finish any novel by him, so I I stopped trying to to read him. But the adaptation of of the double is is pretty pretty good. I love the doppelganger. It's um, yeah, it's it's so beautiful, and I don't know if that's true for for all cultures, but but in Germany. It was often seen as as a bad omen that you would die, mm. and there is um, there is a novella or actually a story by Hugo von Hofmannsthal, and I don't know if it was translated into English, but it's called uh, Die Reitergeschichte. Reitergeschichte. It's um, the story about a rider, a horseman. And it's about a soldier who at some point sees somebody that looks exactly like him come towards him, like right past him, and, and he dies the next day. And so 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 the doppelganger is 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 
yeah, it's, it's not a good omen, and it's often like seen as as something really dark. That basically you're you're seeing your you seeing yourself. You you have basically already left your body and looking at it from a distance, as as though as though somebody like is taking over your life. Not quite zombie like, but you're leaving it because there's not enough room for the both of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. I have I have read uh, about that about the idea that seeing your double means that you're going to die soon, and yeah. that's exactly what happens in this film that I was talking about, the double life of Berenik. One of them, I think it's the Polish yeah, it's the Polish singer dies shortly afterwards seeing herself on the streets, and the French one is the one who the French double is the one who survives. Um, and I, I, I now remember some. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, about uh, French writer uh, Guy de Maupassant and his experiences. He suffered from schizophrenia, and mm-hmm. he, uh, well, attempted suicide many, many times. And uh, one time, I don't remember where I read this. Uh, one time, he saw himself uh, sitting on the edge of his own bed. And that was like the warning that he was going to die. He took that as a warning that he was going to die pretty soon. And there's uh, one of Maupassant's most intriguing and, and, and awesome stories at the same time called Le Orla, that it's about this sort of being that functions or works as the double of the main character of the story. It's pretty creepy. Mm. Um, it's actually a horror story. Mm-hmm. And it's the only horror story written by Mopassan that I have read. Yeah. And also, that, that reminds sounds great. Luis Borges' stories, not just one, several stories about uh, two, two Borges's, the most famous one, Borges and I, which is the encounter of the older Borges with the young one. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that for Borges, the who is very obsessed with 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 the idea of the double and the multiplication um reproduction that's that's one of the you know interesting nouns in, in his personal vocabulary of, of obsessions and 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 uh and literary and literary projects mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also i remember some uh short stories by julio cortazar another great argentinian writer who takes on the subject of the double. Maybe right. there are two or three uh, short stories by Cortázar that, that work that that subject. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They, they are fascinating. I, I think one of them is called, I don't know how it's called in, in English, but it's like the, the night, La Noche Boca Arriba. It will mean like the night. Um, upside down. The upside, yeah. Yeah, something like yeah. where there's this, there's this it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm not going to spoil that. Uh, or, or, <laughs> spoil or, it, spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about this uh, a, a motorcycle driver who starts, who has an accident. And uh, during this state afterwards, short after the accident, he starts having these visions or hallucinations of he being an Aztec warrior, like centuries ago. Oh. And uh, that's it. I'm not going to spoil the 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 story, but it yeah. but it switches from time to time, from the present to the past. And yeah. as as usually in Cortázar, the ending of the story is uh, 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 
I mean, a really smart turn of, mm. of fate. Yeah. I, but I, I'm going to spoil it. I can also think of two other ones that I really like by, by Cortez. One is Axolotl, where mm. there is this guy in the um, in, in in the botanic garden in in Paris. Right. And you know, he engages himself with this axolotl, this mythical Aztec animal that's amphibious. Okay. Again, the idea of the double identity, an animal that can live inside of the water and outside. And then there's this really interesting sort of transformation that takes place. And the other one that's also very cute, I don't know if you remember Continuidad de los Parques. Absolutely, which, of course. Which is also kind of um, a very clever way of switching the story so the character becomes, uh, the reader becomes the character in the story. Yeah. Yeah, Cortez is amazing. Yeah, the, the story is called The Night Face Up. Right. The one mm -hmm. I was talking about the, the motorcycle driver and, and the Aztec warrior. Cool. And yes, uh, uh, continuity of the parts or something like that is only one page and a half long. <laughs> only one page and a half long. And what, what Cortazar does in that story is amazing. I, I, I can't stop uh, reading the story. I have read it many, many times. Uh, and it always... Uh, amazes me the uh, intelligence of, of of the writer of Cortázar to do this switch in the story that I, I can't you can't find as a reader where Cortázar turns the story like upside down it's it's amazing it's it's perfectly constructed and only I insist one uh, one and a half page long wow <laughs> uh speaking of doubles um a totally different take on doubles that I always found really oddly haunting uh, was um, Stanislav, Stanislav Lem's uh, Solaris, yeah, um, and in the reproduction of the of the wife of the one astronaut, and that the planet just constructs more and more doubles, and they are all alive, maybe at the same time, and so one is sent into space because he can't live with with the image of his wife and then the next one comes up and 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 that there are sort of the multiples of the same person around and they are all available and they all share the same memories and the same love for the man and it's supremely creepy but also so romantic in <laughs> in weird ways yeah, I I remember that that's one of my favorite sci-fi novels actually. So yeah. it's Love Loves. It's, it's amazing. And the, the Andrei Tarkovsky film is also amazing. The uh, Steven Soderbergh take on on Solaris it's not that good, but in any case I the, uh, uh, talking about this I ha I don't know if you have already seen uh, Brandon Cronenberg's newest film uh Infinity Pool. Mm. Well, it it touches this this the subject is this, this, the uh -huh. same thing about like Solaris. It's about reproduction and uh -huh. doubling people with the exact uh, same memories, the exact same sensations. And the the most for me the most amazing thing about the film is that suddenly you don't know if the main character is a reproduction or the original. Mm. <laughs> cool, cool. Because yeah. they keep reproducing, uh, you know, they, they keep producing doubles of him in yeah. order to 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 
punish them because of a crime that that the original character committed. And uh, at the ending of the film, that it's pretty pretty good. Uh, you don't know if it's as I said the original or the double of a double of a double of a double of a double. Yeah, I think that anxiety of identity is very much out there in the culture. Because I, when you were talking about this film that I haven't watched, the first thing that came to mind was Jordan Peele's uh, Get Out, of course, the first one. Mm -hmm. And then the next one that's called The One with the Fat Black Family. In the oh, oh, yes, oh, yes, yes. Which is, again, the idea of, you know, who is the real one? And, yeah. and the, the, good, the, good, the good me and the bad me. It's I think that Peel has done a really fantastic job with, with his films. The last one, not so much in terms of dealing with that identity, but definitely the first ones get out and mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, us, us was supremely game. creepy, yeah. Yeah, super creepy. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you if you got this. Uh, I don't know if it's only my idea, but after watching, I don't know, us for the third or maybe fourth time, I became to realize that maybe Peel is, a, as, as, as we know, very intelligent and clever filmmaker. So he he keeps uh, leaving clues all during their his films and actually yeah. like connecting the, his films. Um, and us, I suddenly realized as, as as I was watching it, as I said for the third or fourth time, that maybe us is like U.S. like United States. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Do you think it's yeah. okay? So I, maybe I, I'm not that crazy. No, no. I I always that. thought that that, that, that okay. was um, Peel, who is very political. Yeah. Making some kind of elegant, discreet statement about national identity. Yeah. Disease, right? A deceased identity, which we have, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he, as a black filmmaker, knows that we have a deceased identity. A lot yeah. of issues with with who we are. And why? Yeah, so, well, maybe I was not that wrong. No, so I, thank I, you I, for I, clarifying this. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And, and another thing about, uh, well, maybe I, I, I will uh, go backwards. Talk, we were talking about life and death experiences. And one of, it hasn't, I mean, it, it hasn't had to do with the double, but it's a pretty amazing film that I watched, rewatched recently. Is Jacob's Ladder. I don't mm. know if you remember this film from the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim Robbins is the main character. I need this. I, I'm going to spoil this because it has, you mm. know, uh, uh, it's a film from many years ago. So if our listeners haven't watched it, so they can they can run to watch it now. And it's the uh, the film is about this soldier in the Vietnam War. Uh, that uh, is dying actually, and then he starts having it's like a Cortazar, like the Cortazar story, like the night face off, because he keeps having these uh visions of or hallucinations that him himself in uh, contemporary New York starts having these uh, pretty gruesome experiences with uh, like uh, supernatural beings, like. Messenger, messengers from hell that start um, uh, surrounding him and pestering him, and then he go. The film goes back to Vietnam when when the soldiers uh, dying, and 
at the end of the film, you you realize that the whole New York part of himself is uh, his uh, experience during from life passing. I mean, from life to death. I mean, he's dying in Vietnam, and he starts like constructing this story about him in New York many years uh, afterwards. Hmm. It's it's a if you haven't seen it, it's a really great film. It reminds me of the premise of uh, Ambrose Bierce's story, um, An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, where mm. somebody is being hanged like from that bridge and dreams up his escape. And just in that second, it takes him to fall off the bridge and die from a broken neck. There's this very long story of how he gets away, how he reconnects with his family and all that. And then it ends just with his death. So everything we've seen wasn't there. But this takes it, of course, way, way farther. That sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. I have not seen that. So I, I want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's really it's it's really creepy. I, I mean, the the special effects, the the makeup for for the, for these like messengers from hell is he's quite amazing after <laughs> i don't know more than 20 years yeah it really works it really still works this 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 film do you but, do you yeah, guys yeah. believe do you guys believe that sort of in clairvoyance have you ever had um moments when when you when something was revealed to you that would happen a few moments later or a month later or a year later, did you have sort of these flashes, sort of like in Jacob's letter, that you construct something and then it actually happens exactly that way? I like the idea of it, but I I I, I don't know. I'm too cynical to to buy it. <laughs> I think that we we recognize patterns. Um, yeah. and we're used to making associations based on things that we know, things things that we've watched, things that we experienced, and then we sort of convince ourselves that you know we sort of had an an insight or some kind of revelation about something that that happened because we we connect that to previous experiences and ideas. I I would like for that to be true. I like it. It would make life more interesting but i don't know if we're that special hmm. well yeah. i would like i also would like to have that kind of experience right yeah yeah it's so um the graphic novel from hell by ellen moore um and the artist on that one was eddie campbell um it's so jack the ripper is basically dreaming up or bringing about the 20th century. And there are always these weird flashes of, of glass and concrete skyscrapers and, and things that don't exist in 19th century London. And um, that was always fascinating to me that, that, that maybe we can dream up or, or we have sort of insights into what might happen. We of course might not be around to see whether that's true or not, but it seems fascinating that that certain tendencies or or certain occurrences um, might 
have sort of echoes or shock aftershocks, uh, whatever you want to call it, into into the past, where people who are living there can can feel them. And 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 I don't I I find um, a universe where we have fate and it's prescribed by some entity or so. I find that horribly boring, but but sort of larger developments, um, maybe not or, or or maybe just certain certain occurrences, certain moments that that they send out waves. I don't know what to call it, waves. Let's call them waves. Send out waves across time where we can pick them up and not make sense of them because we don't have a philosophical context where that would make sense, but where we can nonetheless feel them. And yeah, and and, and I'm I'm waiting. You can, you can sense it. I'm I'm waiting for the big revelation what the 23rd century might look like. You know. I, I like that, but I'm out of ayahuasca right now. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to follow up that. What I'm thinking, and and then then I, I will I will swallow what I just said a few minutes ago is that some writers, maybe some filmmakers, do have powerful insights into what could happen in the future. And I'm 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 thinking very very specifically of Philip K. Dick, for instance who like very few writers in our times uh, was able, or Borges himself, writers who, who can somehow see um, possible deviations uh, in narratives, human narratives that might take us to very specific places that, that we can't really know now but you know the curve of time and personal experience that you have might might make you coincide with those possibilities. Mm -hmm. For instance, in the case of Borges, you have that wonderful story, the Aleph, the Aleph, which, in my 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 opinion, is sort of a prediction, a very beautiful description of the internet, the way in which everything is connected, the World Wide Web. And in the case of Philip K. Dick, there are so many, so many different stories that just tell us about uh, possible scenarios in the future that we're living right now. For George Orwell with 1984, I mean, narratives that sort of uh, predict um, possible realities in the future because these writers were capable of putting dots together and see where these things could take us. Mm -hmm. And now we know that they were right in many instances. Yeah, that, that reminded me of J.G. Ballard's uh, novels, one of my favorite uh, 20th century authors. And one of his novels, Running Wild, was published, I, I think, in the 1980s. Well, actually predicted the whole um, wave of teenage massacres in schools. The, the, the novel is about this uh, closed community as in many uh, novels and stories by Ballard, there's this like, gated, closed uh, community where all, uh, one day all the adults, uh, 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 yeah, all the adults end up dead and all the children disappear. So mm -hmm. the investigation starts leading to obviously uh, sinister and um, creepy conclusions. And the idea is that the whole uh, uh, 
young or the whole youth of that community committed the crimes. They murdered their parents. That's great. And uh, so <laughs> this idea of, of these murderers or murdering uh, youth, well, actually took place in real life years after Bala wrote this story. And he's also, the schools are, as we know, gated, closed communities in closed in their in their selves, in themselves, sorry, and uh, where these like um, explosions of brutal violence occur. So there's there's that. Ballard is another clairvoyant in literature. Cool. On that note, we should come to our recommendations. Um, Mauricio, what can you recommend to our listeners? Wow. What have I read recently? Well, and what, I, what have I watched recently? Right now, I'm, I'm reading uh, Annihilation, the latest novel by Michel Houellebecq. Mm. I think he's one of the, of the greatest uh, authors and greatest. Also, a clairvoyant, by the way. Yep. Mm. He has uh, one of his of his novels, uh, Submission, I think, uh, became like like reality shortly after afterwards after the publication. So there's there's, there's that Annihilation by Michel Houellebecq. I have been reading also Stefan Zweig. Uh, I think he's he's an amazing writer. And uh, one film that I have watched oh, uh, twice is uh, Babylon by Damien Chazelle. And oh. I think it was one of the films that the Oscars forgot and, 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 and really, I don't know, the, it, wasn't, it hasn't been sufficiently appreciated from my point of view. I think mm -hmm. it's a great film about films. So there's, there's my recommendation. Beautiful. Thank you. Joaquin. Yes, I watched Babylon in Mexico City. I was blown away. It was absolutely fantastic, gorgeous. And I'm watching it again now on Paramount on streaming. Mm -hmm. I haven't finished watching it again, but it's it's perfect. And I I, I I was telling Mauricio when I was in Mexico City that La La Land, I was personally offended because same guy uh, gave us an, an LA without a single Mexican or black person. And now the main character in Babylon is a Mexican guy. And I love that. <laughs> that was very interesting. I also watched from that same batch of new films that came out and, and were contenders in the Oscars, Women Talking, which I thought was pretty, pretty great. I, I would I would love for each young woman to watch that film because I think it's an important film. And um, and that's my my two recommendations. Cool, very cool. My recommendation is um, a movie, and it's called Decision to Leave. It's a, a movie, and I, I'll read the line. I mean, it doesn't give away really much about what what the movie is really about. But a detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged sleuthing. It's set in South Korea, and it's it's a very moody, very drawn-out, beautifully shot, beautifully uh, imagined 
drama about this detective falling under the spell of the suspect. And it it's it's not an entirely novel idea, of course. There are many sort of American movies from the 40s and 50s that deal with that subject, but it's so beautifully reimagined and done. It's 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 a wonderful movie. Two and a half hours, it's not short, uh, but it earns every single minute. Decision to leave. That's I loved it. It was an amazing film, and also it reminded me of Drive My Car, based on that work. Mm. Mm-hmm. She's also yeah. long, elegant, beautiful, and made narrative about men, you know, longing, um, heartbreak. So yeah. yes, you guys, you guys have terrific taste in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. you too. Yes. And so we're coming to the end of another episode of Foreign, Domestic, and Forbidden. And since I didn't have them at the ready, uh, we're gonna do we're gonna close with Chat GPT. So we are the literary podcast that will blow your mind and leave you begging for more. Foreign, domestic, and forbidden, hosted by two of the most outrageous minds in the literary world, Tim Tresh and Joaquin Lobo, and also, Mauricio Montiel, uh, we've got the freshest and most tantalizing takes on books, both classic and new, and a whole lot of wild and uncensored discussion to boot. So grab your glasses, crack open a good book, and get ready for some literary mayhem. So that was that was another chat GPT for... <laughs> I know, I know. So we'll end on that high note. And thank you so much, Mauricio, for coming onto the show again. So good to see you. No, thank you. So good to see you. So good to hear you. Hopefully we can do this in the flesh sometime in the near future. Yes, absolutely. Goodbye. And we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye.